Welcome to episode seven of the Construction Leaders Podcast. For those of you who haven't been paying attention, this podcast is presented by the Construction Management Association of America. CMA is an industry association that was formed in 1982, dedicated to the practice of professional construction management and to establish standards for managing construction projects. CMA provides education and training, certification, advocacy, networking, and events. The membership includes individual professionals, professional service companies, and construction owners in the public and private sectors, as well as academic and associate members. CMA also has 30 regional chapters across the country and is the lead society for accreditation of professional degree programs in construction management by ABET. This year marks CMA's 40th birthday. Today, Carly and I have the unique opportunity to sit down and interview the current chair of CMA's board of directors, Brian McCarthy of CDM Smith, and the CEO and president of CMA, Andrea Rutledge, to talk about the work that CMA's board has been doing on the strategic framework and what this means to the nearly 17,000 members of the organization, as well as the future of the profession. Welcome, Brian and Andrea, to the podcast, and happy 40th birthday to CMAA. But we have a lot to go over today, so I'm going to jump right in and ask Andrea, why now? What made the timing right for the board to look at the organization's strategic framework? Thank you, Nick. A great question and, and an important one to understand in terms of historical context. And as an amateur historian, this is the kind of thing I love to talk about. So yes, CMAA is 40 years young in 2022. And if we back up, we also need to recognize that the last major comprehensive strategic planning exercise by the board of directors took place in 2016. Average lifespan of a strategic plan in the association world is three to five years. So six years is, you know, maybe stretching it a little bit. This was a really good time because the strategies that had been identified in that 2016 uh, exercise had created the opportunity to do really important work in the association uh, and to launch some really important new initiatives within the association. But also we started to recognize some cultural shifts in the organization. We're seeing uh, more and more mid-career professionals emerging in leadership roles. The uh, conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion is, is center to the conversations we're having now about work. And it was time. It really, this was a, a sort of confluence of moments in time when now was the right time to do it. Brian, what have I left out? No, I think you uh, you hit everything there. That's uh, it's time and, and certainly timely with uh, all the tumult we've had in the past two years and, and the association has, has come through that pretty strongly. So we felt like we were in a very good position to uh, to look to the future. So I think I heard a couple of terms there. I heard strategic framework and strategic plan. Uh, Brian, can you tell us a little bit about those and the difference between those two? Sure, Carly. Uh, to me, a strategic framework is a little bit higher level than a, than a strategic plan. And while we certainly have some, uh, uh, some strategies developed for, for executing the framework, to me, it provides a bit more of a roadmap that gives us some operational flexibility in the years to come as we continue developing uh, programs and initiatives and continue you know, doing the good, extending the good work that we've already done, it provides a, a, a bit more flexibility for us. That's kind of how I view it. So it could be a little bit of semantics, but Andrea, 
Would you uh, have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think that's it exactly. I think the the plan is very much more ordered around activities and tasks. And if someone were going to read our business plan from the last few years, they would see it's very much organized around activities and tasks, projects. A strategic framework is organized around outcomes. And that gives, as Brian says, that gives us a significant amount of flexibility around how we achieve outcomes. And it gives us room to shift if something's not working, if something just isn't done delivering on what it is we want to accomplish, then we have a lot more flexibility to make the shift. Well, that, that leads right into the next question, which is what is the process for designing that new strategic framework? It's long. <laughs> right. So I'll start. I'll go back to the beginning and start. We made the initial strategic decision was to engage a consultant to help us do it. This is the kind of comprehensive work that is in my experience, is best facilitated by somebody outside the organization rather than doing it ourselves. And so we brought in a consultant from the Leaders Haven, which is a consulting firm that works with associations across the country, headquartered in North Carolina. That all started last summer. I mean, it, I guess right about now, a year ago, I asked Brian to appoint the steering committee that would lead the effort from the volunteer side. Uh, we engaged the consultant. There was a survey that was sent to the board and to chapter leaders and reviewed by this and also to the staff. There is a significant amount of uh, forecasting future foresight research available from uh, the American Society of Association Executives. Um, it was an iterative, iterative process of connecting those results together. And then in December, we got everyone together, almost everybody in person, a few people virtually, and uh, we sat down and got to work. Brian, why don't you talk a little bit about um, Messy Design Day and Clarity Design Day? Sure. And it was, it was great to, uh, I'm not sure this would have come out as well as it did if we still had to do the whole thing virtually. So thankfully, there was a lull in, uh, in COVID-19 activity. We were able to, to get together um, in, in December. So uh, messy design over two days, uh, messy design day was a lot of idea generation, a lot of brainstorming, a lot of uh, listening, and, as well as talking and, and throwing a lot of things out there. Um, and so at, we were instructed to trust the process. So we knew things were going to be messy at the end of day one. So I think that let us be okay with, with that, knowing that in day two, we'd, we'd uh, refine things, hone the message, only uh, get down to the essence of what we uh, believe we wanted to achieve, what we wanted over the next uh, five to six years, what those outcomes were going to be. The steering committee uh, was still still at work uh, together with staff after that, and uh, with the help of our consultant, distilled that down. And then we uh, uh, convened again in uh, at our board meeting in uh, associated with our conference, our Focus 22 conference in Chicago, uh, kind of recapped the results, refreshed everyone's memory there, and then uh, gave it kind of gave it one more scrub, and then the board formally adopted the strategic plan in uh, in early April. And the uh, uh, I really give a lot of credit to the the strategic planning committee, uh, which was, it consisted of board members as well as some other volunteers uh, from outside the board, including chapter leaders, 
to uh, to help shepherd this through. It was nice having you know a core group of people who could kind of take that on and from uh, from start to finish, as Andrew said, from last summer all the way through to this spring. So you went through this whole process and, and adopted the new framework. Can you um, get into some of the significant differences between the current plan and the new one? Um, Andrea, do you, do you want to start? Sure, I'll start. I think the most significant difference is there is a change in vision and mission statements. And that is reflective of the deliberation in the December meeting. It became very clear as we got into the second day that the board was thinking long-term and strategically in a different way than they had perhaps even six or 10 years ago. And I would say that was a shift away, not a, uh, up from or in addition to or onto the profession and professionals and the people who are engaged in the profession and then also defining the profession very broadly. So that if you look at the mission and vision statement that's currently on the website and at the, you know, at the business plan from 2022, you see a set of activities that are very clearly focused on the profession and professionalism and the value of the profession and the importance of the profession and advancing and developing the profession. When you look at the business plan for 2023, which is the next thing we have to do uh, is to write that. And the mission and vision statements that'll be uh, on our website starting uh, this fall, you'll see a real turn towards the people, the opportunity, the professionals, uh, developing them and expanding their skill sets and their abilities to advance in their roles. I think that the shift in the vision and mission statements also just kind of reflect a stage of maturity for where we are as an organization. You know, I mean, if you go all the way back to 82, I think it's a a lot of, okay, we need to establish ourselves and grow the organization and build things like the credentialing program to give us some visibility to uh, construction managers and certified construction managers. And while there'll always be work to do with that, and that's going to be a big part of, of going forward, but we're kind of over a hump there. And I think crafting something that's a little bit more forward-looking, a bit more uh, inclusive, I think was important for us to do at this time. You know, there's a lot of uh, members who've been around a very long time and some that are new. Uh, For those who are new, you know, CMA has always been delivering method neutral. Is that going to change? And there's also been other things like owners have always been something that has been considered important to CMAA. Is that role going to change? You know, are it? Are those types of things within this new framework going to change the way in the direction that CMA heads? Andrea? So uh, let's let's everybody be clear. CMAA is delivery method neutral and we will remain delivery method neutral. And yes, owners are crucial to the success of the profession and to the success of of the people in it. That's not going to change. Andrea, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, CMAA's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can you talk a little bit about how that's reflected in the new framework? Sure. Thank you. That's a great question. That's, that's my favorite question. <laughs> so one of the core uh, topics, elements, principles, choose your word, that really emerged in the course of the work that the, the research, as well as the work the board did in December, 
is the opportunity uh, that exists within the profession that that there are all kinds of opportunities the oppor- the spectrum of opportunities is extremely broad the other thing that emerged very clearly was that express explaining and describing that opportunity to the broadest most diverse audience was crucial so this actually ties directly to a lot of other work that CMAA has been doing over the last five years around workforce, workforce development, retention, and recruiting. And I would say the board's kind of general uh, attitude that the case for the business case for diversity is made. And the next step here is the slightly more difficult one of creating uh, inclusive communities, both in the association and on in workplaces. And we have a, there's a committee, Committee on Diversity, Equity and Inclusion, uh, nicknamed CODE, that is taking on this question of what does it mean to be inclusive? How do you build inclusive communities? How do you represent, a, how do you describe a professional opportunity that is broad and inclusive and diverse? And, and all of that is both explicitly described in one of the strategies but also then implied across a number of others. It's, it's really important. It's really hard work. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, but it's also really necessary, and it sits right at the middle of what we're doing. Uh, one of our um, fundamental outcomes is uh, shaping the profession, right? And there's a recognition there that, you know, from a business case, our profession, we need all the talent that we can bring to the table, all the talent we can, we can muster. Um, and you know, all individuals who want to participate in this profession uh, and our association should be welcomed, respected, uh, feeling included. And you know, as Andrea said, our kind of our, our program, looking at our programs, our offerings, and so on, that you know, we need to intentionally um, reflect our commitments to, to uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, to that to uh, to make that a reality, to make that. Uh, reality that not only CMAA but our profession more broadly is welcoming, is inclusive, and that we give the profession the people that the great talent and the people that it deserves. Um, and so that's a big part of uh, what we'll be looking at that will help guide us uh, over the coming years. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, the Construction Manager Certification Institute. Today's ANSI-accredited Certified Construction Manager brings professionalism to the project and provides leadership by unifying architects, general contractors, engineers, and facility managers to successfully complete the project. The CCM is familiar with the latest techniques and technologies of construction, from prefabrication to building information modeling. He or she thoroughly understands sustainable design and construction, how projects are financed, and how risks can be minimized and effectively shared. The Certified Construction Manager is a communicator, a facilitator, a problem solver, a professional leader. Certified Construction Managers have the proven knowledge and experience to deliver all these values for every project. Make the CCM part of your strategy for success. For more information on the Certified Construction Manager, please visit cmcertification.org. Brian, can you uh, elaborate a little bit on why it was important to expand the definition of who is a program and construction management professional? 
Sure. Um, I think we recognize that there are, are many professionals engaged in, in, in project delivery who are, who are not uh, certified construction managers or necessarily on the, on the CCM track. And that's anything from, you know, accountants, schedulers, people who specialize in, in, in one thing or another, inspectors, where, wherever they are in the, in the realm and in the broad community of, of project delivery. We have a lot to offer those professionals in our development programs and in our um, conferences and, and other events and so on. And they also have a lot to contribute to us as well. So we believe it's, uh, it's important to um, explicitly welcome them to CMAA and, and um, have them be a part of what we do. Have been doing that, but I think we're just trying to be a bit more uh, intentional on that. And then, you know, one of the other things that we have been doing and will continue to do um, is build alliances with other um, professional organizations within the, the broader AEC space, if you will, that, um, you know, where they, they can benefit from what, uh, from what we have to offer and we can benefit from what they have to offer. And that's been going very well. And I see that uh, continuing pretty strongly as well. That helps also to kind of broaden who's, who are the, how we define who are the professionals involved in the uh, in project delivery. So the CMAA Foundation, can we talk about that for a while? It's, it's an important piece of CMAA. So for those who um, might be listening and don't know, can you give us a, a brief overview of the foundation and how it fits into the new framework? Sure. So the CMAA Foundation was initially founded in the early 90s and, um, and had a, a kind of uh, low profile existence. Uh, into up until about five years ago. And then in 2018, uh, we, took, we took a step back and did some deep research and reflection into what could the CMAA Foundation be and, and where should its attention be focused. Uh, Brian was part of that task force along with a couple of others. And the end result was a, a refining, if you will, and a real... Um, focus on clarifying the foundation's mission and drawing some pretty firm lines around what that mission was. And, and it is focused on workforce development. It is focused on uh, shaping the profession through scholarships and financial support to undergraduate and graduate students. And also to the extent possible on research, research being a much stickier wicket than it has been in the past. Um, particularly the kind of peer-reviewed uh, research that we may be interested in long-term. So the foundation's uh, current portfolio of work is really very tightly focused on workforce development and um, scholarships. The centerpiece of that, it's not quite the centerpiece of that, maybe these are bookends, right? One bookend is the scholarships and the other bookend is the chapter grants program, which is designed to provide uh, CMAA's regional chapters with seed money for starting rising construction manager conferences or internship programs locally. And so those first two were, they were awarded, of course, right as the pandemic was starting. So there was a little delay in those two conferences taking place, but one was in Florida and one was a consortium of all of CMAA's California chapters on a statewide rising CM conference. The board will be making its next decision just in a couple of 
days here. So by the time this drops, the chapters that are going to receive those grants for 2022 will know who they are. So that I would say that's where the foundation is really focusing its attention is on the enabling chapters to take on some of this workforce development work, and then also continuing to provide financial support to students, both undergraduate students who will ultimately join the profession, but also to graduate students who are preparing to become the next generation of teaching faculty, which CMA also thinks is, the foundation also thinks is important. I think, you know, we've made a lot of progress, uh, Andrea mentioned in the last few years, you know, aligning the foundation with the association as well. And we've done that in in a few different ways. We have some cross-representation on the foundation board from the uh, from the association board and you know looking at the, the framework that we the strategic framework that we've developed certainly any new activities that the foundation will undertake will be aligned with that the current activities certainly are I, I think and so I think the uh, strategic framework exercise and our, our plans and strategies coming out of that will just serve to further reinforce that alignment that we have. Uh, with the association and the foundation. Speaking of that, CMA and the association has a lot of existing programs and is starting a lot of new ones. Uh, Is there anything that CMA is going to stop doing? And what does this mean for our regional chapters? Well, it's always the joke, right? What are we going to stop doing? And we all look, we always look at the list and we're always pretty satisfied with the list we have. So uh, we just keep adding on to it. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything that put, we couldn't really put our finger on uh, anything that said, oh, this is really going in the wrong direction or it's a waste of resources, um, you know, so that which speaks well to the, the leadership um, all across the organization over, over the past years from, um, you know, the board, the chapters and staff as well, that we've been doing things that have been adding value that our members have been getting value from. And then I think so. Well, the, the good work will continue and we'll keep on piling piling on more good things. And, and I think that that goes for the chapters as well. You know, this is, you know, the chapters can uh, kind of keep on, keep on doing what they're doing. We'll certainly be communicating uh, with the chapters what the strategic framework means so that they can align their uh, programs and offerings um, with this as well. But it's no, no seismic shifts in, in direction. So chapters, uh, you know, need not worry about uh, that we're, we're, we're changing, radically changing direction. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good to hear. I think CMAA members and the chapter leaders are used to certain programs and services that we offer. So um, that kind of leads into the next question is, you know, for the, for the average CMAA member, how, how was, will this framework um, make a difference to them? And, and how will they notice um, the difference of this new framework? I think that, you know, as I said, we've been doing things very well for a long time and the framework sets us up to continue that. So from one perspective, maybe members won't notice a difference, you know, if they like what, like what we've been doing. You know, our goal is to continue to make CMAA the best we can be and, and to attract and retain members who see value in being, being a part of CMAA. So, um, you know, as we continue to adapt and, and reposition ourselves to be the premier resource for, um, for the profession, uh, members should continue to see value, uh, hopefully even more value in their petition, uh, their participation in CMAA. And I think with that uh, other focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, that we, more people uh, 
to see CMAA as their professional home uh, as well. I think the last question I have for you is uh, really around, it's a similar kind of question that Carly just asked you. And that's, you know, Andrew, we heard you talk a little bit about how long and how often strategic plans should be done. But when do you, how long do you see, see this lasting, this new framework? Because I know there's going to a lot of people who are going to be like, oh, well, they've shifted directions and this is the end all be all for the rest of the, that's the way CMA is going to be forever. Uh, so when do you uh, see us revisiting this uh, strategic framework again? So I would say that at the very earliest, it'll be another, it'll be five years from now. The, the nature of the work is that, you know, we spent nine months putting this together. Um, we now on the, on the business planning side have a few months to put together the, the first business plan that responds to that framework. And that'll be, you know, 2023 and, and, things take time to get started, right? Sometimes when you are refining or creating new programs, you need you know, 18 to 24 months before they're really on their feet and, and operational, and then in a position to be reviewed and assessed as to their, their usefulness and their contribution to achieving the outcomes uh, defined in the framework. So, you know, I think it'll be into 2025, 2026 before the process begins again. Having said that, I would say one of the things that this process really set up, and, and to your earlier question, Carly, about what's the difference between this framework and a strategic plan, is that this framework is designed to be continually evaluated and assessed and refined going forward so that, you know, um, this time next year, or maybe into the next fall, it'll be the board looking again at the outcomes, looking again at the strategies, looking again, are we continually looking and refining and reviewing what we're doing in order to um, achieve the outcome? All of this is, is now built into, or will be built into the board's annual plan of work in terms of what gets accomplished at each meeting and how the staff reports on progress on individual projects and activities. So that, yeah, I would say sometime in 2025 or 2026, it'll be time to do it again. I think it's great to hear that it's fluid and that it's constantly being looked at. I think that gives some reassurance to people who think we've gone one direction, which may not be ideal for them, uh, or that we're constantly evaluating to see what how we're improving and uh, where we can improve upon. I think that gives some comfort uh, to those longtime members and to those new members to know that we are constantly going to be looking at things for uh, to better the industry and the profession. So Brian, Andrea, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. And I thank you for spending some time with us today. I know that we are all excited about what the future holds for CMAA. And for more information on CMA's new strategic framework, you can read the June 27th, July 4th issue of ENR, the Engineering News Record magazine, or you can visit CMA's website. Coming up on episode eight, we will discuss the second generation leadership transition within firms. We've invited two guests with direct experience in this area, Chris Payne and John McKay from MVP, who have taken over for three founders of the company, will join us to talk about the impacts of the transition and what the impact has had on their organization. Make sure to download or subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at CMA underscore HQ. On behalf of CMA, I'm Nick Soto with Carly Trout. Thank you for listening.